serious pressure. Uh, but uh, I, I want to just express my honor. Uh, it's my honor, really, to introduce to, the, to our Emerge cohort kickoff speaker, former Mike Sullivan, Former governor, ambassador. Former Mike Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Not that I'm. Well, see, it's, you're you're causing me to be to have a little performance anxiety here. Um, former governor, ambassador, and my father, Mike Sullivan. As we begin this journey together, I really have the hope that we can create a, a shared experience that provides the opportunity to examine how we individually and collectively lean in to an uncertain future with authenticity, courage, and curiosity. And to this end, I'm really grateful that I've had a front row seat um, to watch someone model these qualities really consistently through my life. Uh, my father has demonstrated what it looks like to navigate complexity with both care and concern for people and moral courage. Two pieces of advice that I received consistently as an adolescent and into adulthood was be decent and there's nothing more important than your reputation. And I can tell you that as a teenager, these things really meant nothing to me. Uh, but as I have now lived in Wyoming all these years, as I'm sure all of you know, you realize how small the world is and how true those two pieces of advice are. Uh, I saw over the course of my life how, how my father's deep belief that one never burns a bridge has been a fundamental value that has allowed him to, to navigate various roles in business and in politics with a level of grace and joy that I do my best to emulate. And it's funny, I was just noticing Dad. Um, in the background is a is a print that I actually pilfered from their house that's called Three Bridges, which is a, a, a piece from Northern Ireland that they brought back with them. Um, Dad was a litigator until I was a senior in college, and uh, his father and his grandfather were also attorneys. And some of my most fond memories as a kid was just having the kind of joy and uh, uh, kind of shenanigans of law partners talking about their cases and all of the characters uh, and trials, uh, both ones that they won and lost, uh, that, that they enjoyed so much. And then in 1986, when I was a senior in college, when no Democratic candidate had stepped up to run for governor, my dad uh, threw himself and his Stetson into the ring and began uh, a gubernatorial campaign. At the time, um, he really didn't have any pol political credentials. And I seem to remember, Dad, that uh, the first poll we did, you had a 3% name recognition, um, which are maybe 60 points before the, the, behind any Republican running. As an Irish Catholic Democrat from Casper with, with as I mentioned, little political credentialing, uh, he was an unlikely candidate, but ultimately won um, later that year with good humor and warm regard for friends and adversaries alike. Uh, it took me a long time to realize uh, that some of dad's greatest opponents were also some of his greatest friendships and that continues and I've watched that to this day. This was a characteristic that served him well as ambassador and 
in the last phases of the, of the Northern Irish peace process where I expect, but because he's also character, characteristically private and he is a vice, as I call him, um, I'm, he never told me whether in the negotiations or discussions he had with various parties, everyone believed that he was keeping the word and keeping and representing them well and their perspectives. But most important to me now, really, and, and what I will, will end with is how my, both my father and my mother, the, their greatest quality and, and the one I try to emulate most right now is, is their curiosity. And I loved, as I talked with dad yesterday, he was most curious about all of you. And so I will want to have you join me to welcome Mike Sullivan uh, as our speaker tonight. Thanks. Thank you very much, Michelle. I can hear the applause and, and cheers from here. Um, as Al Simpson would say, of all of the introductions I've had, that is the most recent. And uh, it's also, there was a little pressure on me knowing that you were going to make that introduction, uh, but I appreciate it and uh, your kind words are equally appreciated. And to the members of Emerge, good evening. Uh, I'm looking at a uh, big screen, so I can't see you all because I looked for the gallery section, but I couldn't find it on my iPad, and I don't want to do anything that'll screw this up. So uh, uh, if I press speaker view, but I don't have a speaker view on this. I think that's somebody else has got that button. In any event, I'm happy to, that Mandy asked me to make these comments and they're intended to be short and uh, hopefully I can say something in these strange times that uh, may be of some uh, help to each of you. The one thing I do have is a lot of years I don't know beyond that whether I have anything on leadership that can be helpful to you as I'm probably the only one in, in the uh, audience of, of gathered here that has no job. And uh, I've been spending the last two weeks in the garden, so I haven't had to deal with the challenges that each of you face in your various capacities, but I, uh, I'm interested in how you're doing them, and I commend you for your willingness in these times to undertake the rigors of participating in a program like this that is so important to you personally and to Wyoming. And I say that about leadership Wyoming generally. I've long been a supporter of leadership Wyoming, and uh, I think it's developed a network in Wyoming that will pay dividends for years to come. Now, I don't come with any, as I say, with any great advice, nor any strong feeling of my qualifications for talking to you on these subjects. For Mandy invited me, I think it was only last year, to speak to one of Wyoming leadership graduations and because I developed a schedule conflict I couldn't participate in that 
that talk except very briefly. But she quickly replaced me with a 12-year-old young woman who wowed the crowd and was substantially better by all reports than anything I could have said to them. So uh, this year I didn't let her let her off, or you'd have probably been listening to that same 12-year-old girl who had her own views about leadership. But I wanted, uh, I, I want within the short time I have just to say to you that as the Mandy said, I should say something inspiring Wyoming leaders in this time of uncertainty, and that certainly is the case. And what it's like to lead in times of change and uncertainty. And my term, uh, which covered the late 80s and the early 90s, was certainly a time of change and uncertainty. And I was, I've always been proud that any time people talked about the hard times in Wyoming, they looked back at, uh, at my tenure and said, those were difficult times. And they were difficult times. And one of my proudest uh, accomplishments was I, I escaped both with my life and my reputation. But in fact, those times have little comparison to what you as leaders, what business people and academics and nonprofit leaders and Governor Gordon and all of the elected officials are facing in these times. No one is going to remember the 80s or 90s because by comparison, they have no similar comparison. They are uh, Wyoming. This country, of course, is being hit by substantial challenges. And Wyoming has been hit and will have to, to go through the challenges of the triple whammy of oil and tourism, agriculture, and the pandemic. And at the same time, while the challenges are great, the need for thoughtful and clear-minded leadership is no different. And I believe the attributes of leadership are not that much different than other times because they're fairly fundamental and foundational. But I have to say, in a way, I'm a little envious of each of you and those who have to face these challenges, not because they're not difficult and not because there isn't going to be huge pain associated with it, but you're going, you are now and will certainly in the near future, and I hope it's nearer than it is later, the pioneers of leadership in these times, because none of us know where we're going to come, how we're going to come out, and how we're going to have changed from where the old normal was. What we do know is if anybody tells you they know, they're lying. And if they tell you they know how we're going to come out or how to handle where we're going to come out, they're wrong.
because I don't think any of us, we can certainly speculate, we can anticipate, but it, um, it's going to be a new platform to use what has become an old term now, the new normal, whatever that's going to be. It's going to be challenging and uncomfortable in many ways, but that's what forges character. And character is the essence of leadership, in my opinion. We all know that change, which isn't easy on anybody, is taking place right before your eyes. Each of you in your individual capacities is facing challenges that you never thought you would have to face or never really considered addressing at least maybe for the next 10 years. I listened to a couple of futurists talking and one of them said, it feels like we've gone from 2020 to 2030 in the course of a weekend. And if you think where it is likely to lead, they're right. If you talk about remote work from home, I saw today on the news that Square, one of the high-tech companies, relatively new, announced today that they weren't going to call any of their workers back to the office. They were going to authorize all of them, all of them, to work from home. Distance learning. You educators know that all of a sudden distance learning, which we always talked about, but never really addressed as change, has taken place. And what it's going to do to particularly higher education, none of us really know. Uh, our attitude about institutions, government and medical, has changed already and is going to change again, probably, and I'm not sure how it's coming out, but I think largely we're going to recognize that there is a purpose in government and a role for government and that the medical uh, profession has a very large role to play in all of our lives and in our deaths, but that's going to change because of telemedicine. And hopefully that's a change that will be better and will do some of the things that a lot of people have been trying to do for a long time. Uh, one of the items I read about is the splintering of the world. We've seen an interesting response during the challenges that we've already faced. And that's states vying against states, countries, even in the European Union, vying against other European Union countries and against the European Union, and states here vying with the federal government. And what kind of permanent change is likely to come out of that? So it's uh, the fragmentation and the splintering of, 
our society may be taking place. Hopefully, ultimately, it will go full circle and we'll realize that we're all interdependent and reliant upon each other. And in that sense, it will be good. I, in, in talking about leadership, and Michelle made a couple of the same comments that, that I would make, uh, I came up with uh, a number of uh, words that I thought were the essence of leadership, um, and they don't change. But let me start with a sort of a biblical reference. Uh, we were watching, Jane and I were watching uh, Mass Sunday at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. Since we can't go here, we decided we'd go to New York to Mass. And they're talking about preaching and proselytizing. And Cardinal Dolan made a comment that I thought was appropriate for, for the, in this context as well, in which he said, St. Francis uh, of Assisi said, preach all the time, and when necessary, use words. And what he was saying is one of the things that I believe leadership, one of the essences of leadership is that you, you develop leadership, you develop credibility, you develop trustworthiness by example as much as by what you say. And among the words that I would uh, take on leadership is listening. A good leader truly listens. And people are having to learn these days to do that. Mandy said, could you pull out a couple of examples that uh, of, of your career where you had to face challenges of uncertainty and difficulty. And the one that came to mind first, when I went in as governor, uh, we were in very difficult times because of an oil bust. And the, the land board, the state land board was foreclosing on a majority of the farm loans, which they were, they were, uh, they had lent state money. And as newly elected officials, one of our first jobs was to hold our monthly uh, land board meeting and determine which of the farms and ranches we would foreclose on. And each of those couples or families that had a farm or a ranch had the opportunity to come in and appeal to the board. And needless to say, we didn't foreclose on many that didn't, somebody didn't come in and appeal for all of the right reasons, but with no opportunity for us to provide relief. But what I did learn is that if you listened to their story and then told them what you were going to do and why you were going to do it, 
it wasn't any easier. It wasn't any easier for them and it wasn't any easier for us, but they accepted it. The worst thing that can happen is that a leader is leading without one listening or two having a plan and a justification for the decisions. The other words that come to mind are patience. We're going to take, there's a lot of that needed these days. Creativity. Curiosity, which was one of the things that, that Michelle mentioned and which I've always viewed curiosity as one of the great talents people have. Humor, don't forget humor. If you don't have it, I don't know how you get through life. Uh, that we're all interdependent and it takes an interdependence and we're all relying upon other people. And if you don't surround yourself with good people who can help you make the decisions and make them soundly, uh, you better think about doing something else. I've talked about the ability to listen and finally the willingness to be uncomfortable, to make the uncomfortable decisions and not to delay making them when they have to be made. Uh, coincidentally enough, I was sitting in a chair this afternoon trying to put together some notes about what I might say and I looked over and next to me there was a book paperback called In an Uncertain World written by Robert Rubin who was head of Goldman Sachs and then became Secretary of the Treasury under Clinton and one, I think one of the very successful he and Jim Baker and a couple of others George Mitchell are politicians in whom I have great great respect and admiration. But in that, I looked through to see if there was anything applicable, and all I can say is the whole book was applicable, but you're not going to get to hear the whole book because I'm about done. But one of the things that he talked about was his method of decision-making. And he had not only developed it and thought about it, he'd written about it and wrote about it in this book, which he called probabilistic decision-making. And he said, I developed in my mind a yellow legal pad. And that caught my attention because I've been relied upon yellow legal pads. As you'll see, I've got them sitting around here. Uh, I'm always with the yellow legal pad. And he said, what I did in my thinking process was try to thoughtfully evaluate all of the consequences, pro and con, and put them in a column, one side and the other, and make, and then develop which side outweighs the other on a balance uh, system. But he said, then I had to use the subjective side of the process. And that was based upon my experience and my years of career, my instinct, and my feel. But I'm quick to point out he wasn't basing his decision on instinct and the feel. 
he was using it to supplement and assist in the ultimate decision after having gone through all the consequences and the various subtle differences. And then he made it. Uh, and it seemed to me that's a very good method and really probably what we all do in one way or another, maybe not as graphically as the yellow legal pad, but uh, in making decisions thoughtfully and clear-minded, the probabilistic decision-making is one way to do it. And it seems to me it's kind of the way that I've tried to, to reach decisions during my career. Um, with that, I'm going to stop and just again say congratulations to all of you. Uh, the one word I didn't use uh, that is written down here uh, on my list of leadership, but it's more than leadership, it's broader, more fundamental, and that is relationships. One thing you learn after a lot of years is what really counts are relationships. And one of the things that has caused me to admire leadership Wyoming so much, and, and now your aspect of it is that you're developing relationships that are going to be meaningful and helpful for a long time to come. And I, as I said before, I congratulate you on your willingness to devote time in this truly unexplainable uh, time that we're going through to, uh, to enhance your own ability to make decisions and to develop relationships which you'll hold dear for the rest of your life, I expect. Mandy, thank you very much for the invitation. You had set some time back for questions, which I'm happy to take if there are any, though I note that I probably took a little longer than you anticipated, for which I apologize. That was wonderful. And I think I'm going to do the unmute all command because I think it's worthy of an audible applause, not just the silent <laughs> not applause. Not necessary, you know. Uh, so thank you, Governor Sullivan. <laughs> Thank you. I tell. <laughs> um, if you folks, if you want to remute yourself, you can. If I do it, then I'll also mute Governor Sullivan, which is not the intention as our honorary guest speaker. Um, I we do want to wrap up in just a little bit. If, does anybody have a question or something that sort of came? Sean, you raised. Sean learned the raise hand feature, so he gets to be first in all things.